Hi, welcome to Web3 Nerd, a podcast for all things Web3. I will endeavor to unfold the concept of blockchain for the technical and non-technical minds alike with insights into the leading projects in the space so that there is little to no barrier of entry into the blockchain technology even for the common man. I'm your host Ablaziz Kamil, pseudonym Abu Julebib. As a disclaimer, I'm not an investment advisor. Hence, everything on this channel is for educational purposes only. Do your own research and anything that sounds too good to be true, then probably it is. So let's get right in. In this episode and the subsequent six to seven episodes, we'll be listening to an audiobook recording of a Polkadot Treasury funded book. Polkadot for Beginners, a non-technical guide to decentralization, blockchain, and Polkadot by Jibachi. I think it's a really good catch and worthy of your ears as it covers the basics of blockchains, decentralization, and everything within the Polkadot ecosystem. The book started with insight into how decentralization proves to be the way forward if only we want to take back power, ownership, and authority. Then the author went on to uh, explain the architecture of Polkadot, one of which include um, how the on-chain governance works. Uh, Though I believe soon enough that part will be needing an update as we are looking at um, Governance 2.0 recently, something we will cover in one of our episodes to come. So make sure you stick around till then. Also, the author offered simplified explanations of how to participate in the network, including tips on how to select the right validators to maximize ROI. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to it. Up until the 15th century, European commerce was dominated by the Venetians and Genovese who controlled Mediterranean trade. These traders brought goods from merchants at the port of Alexandria in Egypt. Goods which originated mostly from India and were then acquired by Arab merchants who moved them via the Red Sea to Egypt. These goods were then sold in Cairo where they were heavily taxed by the Sultan before reaching the merchants in Alexandria. From there, the Venetians and Genovese distributed said goods all over Europe at very expensive prices. Yet, as in any inefficient system where some benefit at the expense of others, there will be some to challenge this status quo. At the end of the 15th century, the Portuguese discovered a direct route to India which allowed them to bypass all these intermediaries in time and enabled them to transport their products at a fraction of what continental Europeans were required to pay. This led to a radical change in how the old world operated and within a few years, Venezia and Genoa were no longer relevant players in trading with the East. Think of blockchain technology as the Portuguese discovery of the direct route to India. The main idea being that, in order to disrupt the old world, certain infrastructure needs to be in place. In the above example, not much could be done in the first years of the discovery until ports were secured, contacts were made, and supplies were established. The implementation of this infrastructure was the final blow that destroyed the Venetians and set off a new way of doing commerce and trade. Today, the infrastructure that is needed for blockchain to take off and cement disruption has been built. Different industries have started to converge. Gaming and crypto, identity and crypto, finance and crypto, just to name a few. When this intertwining of industries occurs, magic happens and we can only speculate on the kind of innovation it will give birth to. The future is exciting 
and it is becoming clear that blockchain projects will need to communicate and interoperate with other projects as well as with other actors outside the crypto world. As it stands, the world is no longer dominated by a single blockchain. We have entered the multi-chain era and this is where Polkadot will play a major role as you will learn through all this book. In traditional finance, there has been a somewhat arrogant attitude towards Bitcoin and all its ramifications which prevented many, including me, from seeing the benefits of blockchain technology in its earlier stages. Luckily, this attitude is changing. Traditional finance has many challenges that it has yet to surmount. Despite having a persistently negative impact on the global financial and economic system, banking within traditional finance, for example, runs a system of incentives that is not aligned with other market participants. Bankers, having been one of them, are short-sighted, focused on end-of-the-year bonuses and are not accountable for their actions. This setup has led to less than acceptable banking practices as the world saw during the great financial crisis where greed drove the sale of investment products that were priced at safe but were in fact extremely risky. Investment recommendations are not based on what benefits investors but on amount of fees that are generated and on the data stored within centralized entities. When I started studying blockchain technology, I began to discover that decentralized and permissionless networks address the problems of trust and security in such a way that we no longer need to rely on corporations alone. I learned that the incentives incorporated into blockchain protocols ensure that economic interests are aligned and that participants can be held accountable. Those who want to use a network, make proposals on governance or earn by helping secure a network must own tokens of said projects. This ultimately led to good behavior and compliance. Otherwise, participants will risk losing their capital. It took me a while to understand Bitcoin and its unique characteristics as new member of the monetary world and appreciate how its emergence complements the way we transact with money. First, I learned about the Bitcoin blockchain, a protocol whose function is to record transactions of Bitcoins. Then I learned about Ethereum, a programmable blockchain whose protocol enables building applications and smart contracts on top of it to record transactions on-chain. Think of Ethereum as a smartphone where you can download and run applications, while Bitcoin blockchain is a landline phone exclusively used to make and receive calls. Ethereum opened the Pandora's box in terms of what could be done with blockchain technology. As traffic on Ethereum blockchain exploded, its drawbacks started to emerge. Some of them are well known, high gas fees, slow transactions, however, some are not that intuitive. The Ethereum blockchain was not designed to be updated too frequently. So when upgrades are needed, they are extremely difficult and lengthy to implement. Another drawback is that Ethereum blockchain was not built to communicate with other chains as its original design did not consider the question of interoperability. It is those problems that gave birth to Polkadot. Polkadot enables independent blockchains called parachains to connect to it, essentially handling the connectivity and security for them. Polkadot can change its own design over time and allows interoperability among different chains. Polkadot makes the entire blockchain space much more scalable and enhances network effects. It is essentially like a railway connecting cities and enabling economic activities to flourish. 
due to the speed of innovation in the blockchain space and owing to the fact that I am not a computer scientist or developer myself, it's been difficult to identify which blockchain project will make a difference. In the Portuguese example we saw earlier, if you were in Lisbon and learned about the discovery, you could have invested in a single ship and brought spices for your own personal business. That would have been extremely risky as not many ships made it back safely in those days. Imagine a better investment such as ship factory, where you benefit not only through the sales of the ship you built, but also through potential royalties from successful expeditions. I think of Polkadot exactly like that. Polkadot requires independent blockchains to win an auction and lease a slot so that they can be connected to Polkadot infrastructure and become a parachain. This means that projects can focus on their use cases and let Polkadot take care of the security and connectivity. Supporters of those parachain candidates can lend DOTs, the native token of Polkadot, to projects and get rewarded in projects on currency if a parachain slot is won. This system warrants projects maintaining their quality, their relevance to end users, and the support of their community in order to continue deploying on Polkadot after their slot leases end. This extraordinary setup will ensure that Polkadot ecosystem always gets the best projects and remain at the vanguard of innovation. This is why I think Polkadot will play an essential role in the blockchain space. Never before has the world had millions of incredibly smart people working simultaneously on open source protocols, which has led to a Cambrian explosion in the uses of blockchain. We are just getting started, and it is simply a wonderful time to be alive. Maybe after reading Jibachi's book, you will agree with me that investing in Bitcoin is investing in price, investing in blockchain is investing in innovation, and investing in Polkadot is investing in railway system that will carry along all that innovation forward. Jean-Philippe Tissot, founder and portfolio manager of Arauca Capital. A brief introduction. Since its launch on 26th May 2020, Polkadot has captured the imagination of a wide variety of people who share similar values about the future of human organization. Polkadot is a blockchain whose main purpose is to connect other blockchains. Given that few people understand what blockchain is, it is only natural that they will think Polkadot's objective idea of blockchain that connects other blockchains is akin to gibberish. Thus, trying to understand what Polkadot is and how it works is an arduous intellectual endeavor, or at least it used to be. This book was written with the sole purpose of simplifying the immense complexity of Polkadot so that the average reader can understand this ecosystem without any prior knowledge of blockchains or computer networks. To achieve this, a great deal of technicality has been scrubbed out of the presentation of many concepts, and so, Though this book is ideal for the average user, it might not be so for technically savvy person. That said, there is still a lot to learn about Polkadot that doesn't fall within the scope of technicalities, governance, crowd loans, and parachain auctions, to name a few. The hope of this writer is that the reader will become as fascinated and as inspired as he was when he first read the Polkadot white paper. A document that laid out a bold vision for blockchain technology and a decentralized web, that is Web3, promising to solve the problem of scalability, that is for maximum adoption, 
shared security, that is for maximum diversification, and interoperability, that is for maximum innovation and usability. The Polkadot white paper made it clear that its goal was to enable mass adoption through digital ownership and freedom for the individual by building as many different kinds of blockchains as possible, each dedicated to a different industry in need of revolution. But I'm not putting the cart before the horse. An explanation of what Polkadot is and how it does what it does will come later. First, we shall begin with the why of it all. I've found that the easiest way to understand a new technology is to understand the philosophy that powered its creation. Thus, we will start with the philosophy of decentralization. That will be enough for today's episode. On the next one, we'll cover the next segment of the book, the philosophy of decentralization. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the subsequent episodes. Toodaloo!